Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of Shillin' and Chillin'. I'm your host, of course, Icon Jester. We have a very special guest today, Luke Sauer, one of the co-founders of MetaCitizen. Welcome, Luke. Glad to be here. Appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. So we always like to start off with learning a little bit more about you. Obviously, you're doxxed. So uh, tell us a little bit about your background, both like IRL and then your entry into the NFT space. Uh, yeah, so IRL, my background is uh, I'm 24. Uh, I'm just a little bit on the younger side, I've found. Although when I first entered the space, I expected a lot of people to be my age, and I quickly found that is not the case. <laughs> um, I'm actually surprised by how many people are high 40s, 50s, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I went to school for uh, business, graduated in 2019. Um, I was supposed to do sports business as a career, but I did an internship with the Detroit Tigers and found that I didn't have the passion I thought I did for it. Uh, so Interesting. Then moved on. So what, what was, the, I guess, um, not to interrupt you, but I, I'm curious because I, you know, obviously not something that I'm familiar with. I know we, I actually had a, someone that I dated um, in college, her uh, brother-in-law, worked in licensing for universities. So part of what he did was like went undercover and would try to like purchase bootleg uh, NCAA stuff at games and then just shut them down and like confiscate all their shit. So that, that was pretty entertaining. But um, so I guess, can you speak to that a little bit more? Like what was, what was it that turned you off on that opportunity? I'm curious. Um, so uh, the, work that I did was with spring training. Um, I went to school in Lakeland, Florida at a place called Southeastern University. Mm. Um, Detroit Tigers have their spring training home in Lakeland, and then they also have a high single A team that plays out of there during the summer. So it was a good connection with the school, um, and they got me in touch with them. So I worked during spring training and then through the minor league season over the summer. So it was January to September. Mm-hmm. Um and I lived in the dorms with the minor league players. Uh, they fed me, all that kind of stuff. Um, it was a paid internship as well. So it was, it was a pretty good gig. I'm not right. going to lie. Right. But what I found was the issue, um, and it kind of goes back to my personality type. For me, stagnation is like the worst thing in the world. I, I hate to just stay in one uh, not just one place, but like to be at one level. Like I'm always looking to improve. I'm always looking like, what's the next best thing? Like, how do I make this better? How do I improve this? Uh, and I found that it was kind of a status quo environment there. Got it. That a lot of it was, well, we make our money in spring training. So that's where we get all our, our bucks. And then we don't make any money during the summer. And so that's just how it is. We don't try and change that. We don't we shoot down new ideas. Like we just kind of like, no, we just don't make money during the summer. And that to me was like <laughs> super frustrating because I'm over here. I mean, I'm like, I am the young buck, obviously just an intern, but I'm trying to come up with stuff. I'm like, okay, we, we can do like a food truck rally. We could do a car show in the, in the stadium and, and just not getting any, any uh, support from the upper management was just really discouraging. Um, and I, I kind of saw that and I saw like, okay, this, these positions are my possible future with what I want to do. Um, obviously, staying at minor league or spring training wouldn't be my goal. I'd want to be major league or whatever, but it just didn't, it didn't appeal to me. Um, my direct boss was the, the ticket 
the box office manager and he was constantly at work constantly away from family mm. uh, he didn't really seem to enjoy his life <laughs> he right. was always kind of like I don't know. He seemed depressed to me, honestly. He just seemed depressed, and I I didn't see that as a life that I wanted for myself. So I decided to uh, try and move a different direction. Uh, and then good old good old COVID had other plans while I was looking for work. Uh, so I played college tennis, so I ended up falling back on that. Um, I've coached professionally before, so I I coached um, for about a year and a half, maybe almost two. Yeah, almost, almost two. So it was uh, end of 2019 to like August 21. So yeah, pretty, pretty close to two years. Um, and I've done that since I was like 16. I'm professionally certified, like all the good stuff. Um, and it's something I was good at, but I never really enjoyed. I kind of lost my passion for the sport in college because it was just a lot of, a lot of work. <laughs> gotcha. Um. But yeah, I did that, um, and then got a job as a retail store manager for a detailing supply store. Uh, I worked for Chemical Guys, if you're aware of the brand, but they do auto detailing supplies. I got certified as an auto detailer through that, and then I was about two months in when I got involved with MetaCitizen. Zero, one of the other co-founders, I had met him through Deadheads, and we had been talking for months and then I ended up saying well I've just started this new job (laughs) but now there's something I'm actually passionate about that I want to change to so I ended up quitting my job soon after I started it and now I'm full-time NFTs with medicines wow that's amazing yeah I think one of the the trends that I you know I'm you know not 40s 50s but I'm I'm a bit older I've got a, a little over a decade on you and I've got a family and I've got a four and a six year old boy. And one of the things that I've been in for over a decade now is basically work remote opportunities. So obviously I have a, I have a full-time IRL job. I work in computational biology, but um, what's interesting is I've always kind of worked from home or at least in the last, like I said, about a decade, I've, I've worked from home, work remote. And I think it's definitely culturally because of COVID people are seeing the value of being able to stay at home and work and uh, have that work-life balance that you were talking about. That was like vacant from, from your previous supervisor. I think that that's, that's a big thing right now that yet young people are starting to learn that, you know, you don't have to, be the the person that's working 60 70 hours a week um to to be successful i know my my father is a really great example uh you know he's still working he's a civil environmental engineer he's got his master's in, in civil engineering um and you know he's in upper management doing really well like obviously like well into the six figures as far as his salary but he works in an ordinate amount he's he's traveling he's always moving and you know i i questioned him they're in town for um for the holidays so they're in town now and i i asked him i said you know at what point does all this traveling all this working in an office what point does that does that cease are you uh, you know if you move up like what does that look like 
you know, is there more opportunity for you to work remotely? And, and he was very transparent and said, well, actually my bosses work more than I do. They put 50,000 miles in their car or something last year, 20,000, I don't know, a large amount on their car last year. Yes. And, uh, you know, and it's, it's concerning, you know, since I got into NFTs, um, you know, I've, you know, we've done well as a company and I've done well as an individual and have been able to, you know, essentially not quite, I think I'm really close if I haven't surpassed um, his income uh, with all those hours he's working through the NFT world just in the past like four months. Um, his entire year, you know, and, and he does well, not including my, of course, my, my regular full-time job. And so it's great though, that I'm able to, you know, have financial security and stay at home and spend time with my family. And that's one of the things I think is great about the NFT space, um, that you're, that you kind of afforded, you're afforded that opportunity kind of give me an idea on your end. You know, obviously I think that was from what you're saying, probably somewhat of a factor. Um, how are you doing with, with like the meta citizen? Tell me a little bit more about that project. Uh, yeah. Um, so I'll give you a little bit more background on me because I've oh, yeah, always sure. had, uh, an entrepreneurial spirit. My parents have owned their own business since I can remember. Um, and I've always <coughs> hated working for other people as bratty as it sounds. <laughs> uh, I like to be my own boss. So, um, that's why, uh, NFTs in general, but like, uh, especially medicine kind of appealed to me cause it was, it was building something that I could call my own with these other people. Right. Um, and then also the, the passion behind the project and the vision. So. Just to kind of give a, a brief summary of it, it is the world's first decentralized media production collective, right? So what that means is we are taking um, our specific focus is metaverse stories, so anything from the NFT space, this world that we're all kind of experiencing building out together. Mm -hmm. We want to take those stories, um, document them, and then we are creating a stories vault uh, if you've seen Ready Player One, it's much like the Halliday Journal archives. That's kind of our vision for it. Uh, so that we can basically document these stories and beat the big brands to telling the story of the metaverse, right? Because with Adidas and Nike and Facebook coming in, I mean, if we don't document these stories, these big brands are going to tell it and their story is not going to be like ours at all, right? right. It's not going to see the little guys. It's not going to see uh, the people like... I think Klan is a really good example. He, uh, we interviewed him for not a JPEG and then also Epic got into a couple of documentaries we have coming up. Uh, his story is fantastic. So he, uh, created blue cat. I believe it was right before college or in college. He was just drawing this cat in college for fun, you know, selling pieces every once in a while, 20 bucks here and there. Um, and then now he's become, kind of an icon right in the space cool cats is like huge they were on the billboards in new york in times square yeah and that's insane for him to to see that and those are the kind of stories that would get lost right those are the the uh the underdogs right the unsung heroes that i mean you let these big brands come in and take over they're going to tell the story of oh yeah the metaverse started when adidas made a deal with board apes right mm -hmm. like there was nothing mm -hmm. before that <laughs> right, right. Like all of all of the history that we've created, all of this amazing, uh, all these amazing connections and communities that we've created, they they all disappear if we don't tell these stories before the the big brands try and take over. 
so that's a, a very much a driving factor of our project and what we're trying to build here. And then another important factor is we're giving the ownership and the production kind of back to the people. So all of our holders get fractionalized ownership in each production we make. Um, and they all have producer credits. So they get their names and the credits. They help us um, throughout the production process with feedback, giving uh, like ideas like, hey, this is kind of the, the vibe we're going with with this film, stuff like that. Um, so I think it's really cool that we're, we're taking the stories of the metaverse and giving it back to the, the metaverse dwellers. The people who live the stories are going to be telling them. Yeah, and I, I think that's, you know, one of the things that's great about that is, you know, we here, so at Octopus Man, one of the things that we're really passionate about is telling our backstory. You know, we are building out a website and part of the building process of our website is telling that story. And because, you know, I think some of the best, and you, you said it yourself, I mean, some of the best things that have come out of any industry, and, and this is not, we are no exception in, in the NFT space, is through accidental organic growth and establishment. You know, uh, I spoke on one of our, our previous podcasts regarding kind of like the way that we were established. And it, it was it was very organic, non-intentional. It was, I definitely did not want to be running a company. I had no desire, really, to be honest, to even to be doing a podcast. It, it was, it's all been organic and very um it's just been it's just been an interesting journey and and i agree with you i think all of these successful projects that have come out very few are coming with the idea of i want to come in here and make a shit ton of money it's always based on i have this passion it's just like with any other artist you know it's like i i have this passion this is what i want to do mine was i just want to connect this person and this person and i want to be out the way and then it turned into, well, I don't like the way you guys are connecting. I think you guys need a contract. I'll write a contract, but that's all I'm doing. And then all I'm going to do is set up a discord so you guys can communicate. That's all I'm doing. I'm not doing anything else. And then all I'm going to do is this. And I, I, I um, you know, relate it to like the movie, The Jerk, where he's like, all I need in my life is this lamp. All I need is my lamp and this. And all I need is this and this and this. And it kind of snowballed into, okay, now we have an organization. And then, well, we really, you know, trust you guys. Do you have a developer and then it turns into oh well i guess we need to get a dev so that if someone needs a dev we have a dev on on staff and then okay we need an artist so we get an artist on staff and it's kind of organically grown um into something like much much bigger than i had ever anticipated you know we went from four of us that kind of started everything off to now we're at a 23 headcount looking to basically double by the end of march and you know, I think that's the same type of situation. I, it was so ironic that you're talking about cool cats. I just got off the phone with somebody that owns, I don't know, hundred plus cool cats. And he knew the artist before, uh, he actually had his coffee tape, his coffee table book. Um, and he's like, Oh, oh wow. wait, this, yeah. He's like, Oh wait, this guy that I know has, I have this coffee table book with about his art is going to be making this project. That's dope. Like I'm going to buy into this project just because I like the art, not necessarily because I think it's going to be anything, but he bought, he minted 60 of them. And when they first started, it wasn't, yeah, yeah. So he minted 60. Um, when it first started, it wasn't really like that, you know, this huge thing. It, it didn't blow up overnight. And so he was airdropped like 80 additional ones. 
And so he ended up with 140. Uh, I mean, it'd be great to be airdropped, you know, 80 cool cats at this point. <laughs> that would be that would be dope. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you know, he, um, you know, obviously he's got a great relationship with the dev and the, and the the artists and everything now because he's been with the, the project since the very beginning. But it's just crazy how things are so or- organically made that are successful. And you're completely right. I think being able to tell tell those stories is important. I mean, in the sports world, it's the same thing. You know, that's why you watch 30 for 30 and you, you're you like, man, I didn't realize like that's kind of what was going on behind the scenes. Um, so I do think it's a great story to tell because I think there's this misconception that, you know, it's just so, it's so easy or, you know, it's, um, you know, these people are out for the money or what whatever the misconception is. It's, it's nice to hear that we have someone that's in the game that's able to to combat that and tell the story from the mouths of the people that are actually living it and not through some corporate identity. Yeah, 30 for 30 is actually funny you mentioned that because um, that's kind of that's kind of our idea, basically. <laughs> uh, the 30 for 30 is really cool, and I think some of the best ones I've seen, in fact, my personal favorite um, is a lesser-known athlete. It's not the big names, right? Mm-hmm. You, you mm-hmm. found out these stories where you're like, oh, like, I kind of heard that name before, but wow, like, this person that's such a cool, inspiring story. Uh, my personal favorite is uh, Vitas Gerolaitis. He was a, a tennis player back in the 80s, and his story is incredible. He fought drug addictions and all kinds of stuff like that, um, but he kind of straightened himself out and then was working in the U.S. on building a youth tennis program that would have completely changed where the U.S. is at with tennis right now. Um, we're kind of behind the game right now, but I think if he had survived, he ended up dying in a in an accident. Everyone thought he overdosed, but he actually um, had a, a carbon monoxide leak. Uh, so he went to sleep for an afternoon nap and then never woke up. Wow. which was really unfortunate because he was completely changing the game, like helping out so many people like for free, like not looking for the money, just like donating rackets and setting up youth tennis clubs. Like the, the country would be totally different if he had, if he had made it a little bit farther, but, and it's, it's one of the, the best 30 for thirties I've seen. Cause it's just such a cool story of a, a player that you don't really hear his name as much, but he had a ton of impact while he was around. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> It, it's crazy how things are sometimes just put in your lap and, and you made the, a perfect point, I think, where you were pursuing, you, know, you were a retail manager, you kind of had, you know, you felt like you're kind of ducks in a row of where you were headed a little bit, you know, you may have been still looking for other opportunities, but kind of felt like you knew where you were headed. And then this opportunity presents itself and wasn't maybe necessarily the timing you would have thought would have been the perfect timing, but it ends up being something great. You know, I, that's the same thing with, with over here. You know, we, I didn't, I didn't, I, first of all, I'm not like you at all. I have no desire to be an entrepreneur. I have no entrepreneurial spirit at all. I tried to avoid ownership of things like the plague and I, I get too stressed out on things. I'm too anal retentive. I'm very, very picky on who we work with. I'm very, very picky who works with us, you know, so I I did not want to be in this environment. And, you know, as most of the listeners already know, I've got a six-year-old that has um, brain cancer. So I now have been uprooted from my life. 
I'm thrown into this new environment where my son's going through treatment at St. Jude's in, in Tennessee. I have foolishly had started to go to grad school and said, you know what, if I don't finish now, I'm, I'm probably not going to go back because I'm miserable. It's finishing up in June. So I, I have some end date, but you know, okay. So now I've, I'm working a full-time job. My son basically wants me to be there with him at treatment over my wife because him and I have very similar personalities. So I'm having to bring my son to treatment while working a full-time job and in grad school. And then all of a sudden I'm going to create a company. Horrible timing. Never in a million years would I ever suggest it. Uh, would I ever do it again? Maybe, probably not. It was, um, you know, but I think we are, opportunities are put into our laps and we can't choose when that opportune time is. We just have to take advantage of when when it's presented to us. And I, I respect you greatly for for making that that commitment to to quit a guaranteed income to go to something that you know largely is kind of a you know a roll of the dice to make sure that it it does well. I mean, obviously now it's it's a little bit more established and and you guys are heading the right direction. But at the beginning, I'm sure that it was you know a little bit of a you know, of a, a deep swallow and uh, let's, let's hope things go the way that, that we want them to go. And so that I respect you greatly for making that, that move. Yeah, I would, uh, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't stressful. Yeah. It was mm-hmm. definitely a very stressful move. Um, I mean, there were some things that I felt personally were a quote unquote guarantee. Sure. Uh, I saw the vision. I mean, I, I, I had the passion. I shared the passion with the other co-founders. I mean, we all kind of saw where this could go. I mean, there was nothing guaranteed, but it was more like in my head, I knew that this needed to happen, uh, that the stories needed to be told this way, that they had, that this was something the metaverse needed. Right. So it was, it was more so a bet on NFTs in general, I feel like Mm. than necessarily a bet on the project itself. Sure. Because I, in my opinion, I mean, I know that if NFTs survive, then we'll be there to tell the stories forever. Like we're setting it up so that the studios constantly produce content, and we, we just as the main studio, we guide them and and help them produce that content. So um, what's so there's the, constantly new stories? What's the next chapter that's coming up? That's um, you know, as far as I guess for our listeners, if they want to support obviously i was you know uh, you know becoming part of the the community by purchasing an nft but i guess what is the next chapter that is coming out that's really exciting on on the project well we have some things in the works i can't talk about okay but sure the thing that we've recently announced is uh our dear metaverse collection it's a collaboration with over 20 metaverse ogs founders influencers artists um Kalan is on the list elu from cool cats we have spotty wi-fi nft rapper we have world of women uh wicked craniums founders oni fours so basically just a ton of awesome artists founders influencers they're all making their own kind of piece whether that be like a poem a video a, an art piece obviously for like the ones like Kalan. Um, and we're taking these tokens and we're making a collection out of them and they're all, each token is that person's love letter to the metaverse basically. Um, and then that collection will be a free claim for citizens, our, our holders, that's what we call them. Um, and then we'll also be giving away some to the, the communities of the people who participate as well. But that is our, 
our big thing coming up pretty soon here is the Dear Metaverse collection, which I think is, I mean, in my opinion, I might be a little biased, but I think it's probably the most powerful collection to date. I mean, to have so many, like, true OGs, like, these people are the ones who really helped build the space here, and they're all making their own love letter to the Metaverse. It's it's a powerful thing, for sure. Yeah, those are some really big names, and I know, uh, you know, from obviously from being in this in this industry and it's kind of chatting with some of these other collections uh some of them are really hard to get relationships with so i mean especially world of women they don't they don't work with hardly anybody they're very very particular very picky i know we've been in communication with them quite a few times with one of our our projects that's out of the sandbox um a fellow female creator holly she's uh she created sandhelm which is a basically going to be the first game that comes out of the sandbox and oh yeah i remember it yeah and we've um we've had quite a few conversations they're very excited about about working with holly but it's definitely a slow moving process with them because they're very very particular in who they work with so i know at least from that perspective that's you know you've got some huge names that are they, they don't just work with anybody so big big kudos on that on that front as well and definitely is a project that um that people need to to pay attention to i think it's going to be something that it's growing now but it's only going to get bigger over time as as the word gets out even more and you can see the content that's coming out of it and like you said i think the key here um key takeaway is like projects that are doing the best are no longer the who has the prettiest art that's going to be thrown out with no roadmap but the the projects that are going to be doing well are the ones that people know that are have long-term value and that the, the community is going to be there for a long time and they can see that sustained growth. And obviously this is, it's, it's like Saturday Night Live, right? Saturday Night Live has been around for so long because content is easy to create when they're taking current events, you know, the current events happen every yeah. day. So you're able to take that and tell the stories of new projects. You know, you nine months ago, you tell a story of, you know, let's say bored apes and then, you know, four months later, you tell the story of pudgy penguins, you know, you're able to, to flex as the, uh, as the community changes and as the, the landscape changes as well. And you're kind of, uh, almost you've positioned yourself in a recession, recession resistant, um, uh, project, which is obviously very advantageous to the, to the growth and longevity of the project. So, um, definitely, yeah, sure. definitely kudos to that. Um, so any like closing words that you'd like to, to talk about, um, you know, before we, before we wrap up. Yeah. Um, before that, I would touch on one thing you said, that's kind of our vision is to be the hub of the metaverse, right? I mean, if you, if you go to our discord, you look at the right side, you look at the people who are in there. I mean, we have, we kind of have our fingers in everybody's pie, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. We kind of want to be the, the center of the spider web. So people have a, a center hub basically to, to come together and make connections. I mean, we had people meeting in studio who had never met before. And it was so cool for them to be meeting in our studio after one was leaving their interview, the other one was coming in. Like, it was just really cool seeing all the connections. Uh, and that kind of segues into my, my final thought is that is my goal in this space, basically, is, is connections and community. So I think a lot of people uh, start off with the, the flipper mentality, and I'm no exception. Um, I'll get into a little bit about how I started in NFTs. I, I started with V friends in May. Uh, I got in because I was like, Oh, Gary has the Midas touch, right? He's, he's going to make money on this. So I might as well go for it. So I took, 
probably way more money than I should have invested. <laughs> All my money from stock trading 2020. Uh, bought a V-Friend, a core sophisticated Stingray, with the intentions of flipping who knows how quick, maybe a week later or two weeks later. Uh, heard that he was building out a 45-year plan and said, okay, well, maybe I hold for a little bit longer, right? Maybe I'll make it a month. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, and then he uh, he showed deadheads one day, so I got into deadheads, and I was like, okay, so Gary says this is going to work, so obviously it's going to work, so I'll just ride the Gary wave and flip that too. Uh, and Deadheads kind of kind of hooked me. <laughs> I I found a, a really cool community. I found a lot of people like connected with easily. Um, and then my my focus changed. Uh, that's where I met Zero, and Zero was kind of explaining to me like this is Web 1.0 over again. Uh, I was born in '97, so I didn't get the the privilege of seeing 1994. But that's the year he always references, where that's kind of where the internet was born, and and the connections you made then you're set for basically forever, right? Mm. And it was all connection-based back in the day. And he said this is – he's seeing it repeat in front of our eyes, basically. So that kind of shifted my focus to more, okay, who can I connect with? Like, who can I find meaningful connection with and, like, find my um, my tribe, basically, right? See who I can get around me and see who I can make friends with. Um, so my, my focus went from money number one to community number one and then as i learned more and more i put education at number two and then i mean you know who doesn't want to make some money right so money's probably like number three or four for me right uh but that would be like my advice to anyone new getting into the space and i've talked to artists about this before i've had them come up to me at events and stuff and be like okay well how do i get involved yeah i mean connection Go, go go talk to people. Go make connections. Go get involved with the community, right? Go hop in a Discord, hop in a Twitter space, and just, just talk to people, right? Just interact. Just just enjoy people's company, and then maybe get around a shilling later, right? But but focus on that community. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. I think, um, you know, community building is definitely the on the top – of the list, I think of, of the vast majority of projects, but it's about the approach, you know, how are they, how are they building community? What are they doing that really sets one project apart from the other one? And I think, you know, obviously a lot of these projects that are coming out are using that as, as a buzzword to try to get traction. Uh, but you can really tell once you get into the project, whether they, they're really committed to it or not, you know, uh, a really great example, we've got a project, the Un- undead detective agency, it's very much flying under the radar. It has very few people that are involved with it because the project was really passionate about not having a launch date and just like let's organically grow and have fun. And they're doing puzzles like on a weekly basis with really dynamic art, really dynamic puzzles. They had for the longest time, they had like 50 people in the Discord and they were still pushing out content on a weekly basis. And everyone was super engaged, really excited, pushing out this, um, you know, pushing out the different um, like puzzles and trying to they basically building this community. And they almost had created like a little click where they were bittersweet about new people coming in because they're like, we really love the community we have and new people coming in like, yeah, we are going to welcome you, but we kind of like our small community and it's kind of almost turned into like this group. There's now, I think, I don't know, like 300 people or something along those lines. It's still small in the discord, but it's, 
they're constantly like looking for clues and building content. And the, the team is, um, from is Eastern European and to be transparent, like very unresponsive, <laughs> like they don't, they're not exactly like the most responsive dev team or, or artist team, but our team that's working on it are the ones that are like really like belting out. We have one of our guys on the project that does like these little videos and he's creating these really dynamic videos. And it's just, there's a lot of excitement and community. And I've, explain to a lot of projects that if you can get a very small group of people that are really, really excited about an opportunity and they're they're your core group, as your community slowly starts to grow and you start pushing out, you know, different, um, you know, advertisements, however, however you want to do it, you know, like, you know, you push out some sort of advertisement about like, Hey, we have this giveaway or whatever the case may be. And you start having these new people filtering in and it's more of, there's a welcoming committee there. That project always does exponentially better than any project where you're just like shilling the crap out of it at the very beginning. You're getting these huge discord numbers. You know, you have 10,000 people in discord. It goes to mint and they mint 15, you know, um, right. because it's, it's, there's really nothing exciting long-term. Like there's no reason for me to be stuck in that discord. And then you have the flip side, like a project, which still baffles me. A lot of our team met on in the Wolfgang project where, uh, long story short, it's, it was basically a train wreck. You know, the, the art was dynamic. There was the original creator had essentially, um, came and and said that they were going to let me tell you this this is what i related to it's like you know that kid in high school that's running for class president and says under my tutelage i will ensure that every single friday we have a pizza party and the class goes wild and everyone's like i'm gonna vote for this guy he has no fucking power or ability to do that yet he's winning you know or if we're going to talk about u.s elections which you know i don't like go politics but a good example for for this would be you know um donald trump and the whole i'm building a wall you have no resource and i'm going to make mexico pay for it there's no way you're going to have that happen so anyone that believes that that rhetoric from the very beginning is is a lost soul in the first place you know um but you know making empty promises gets a certain percentage of the population, but at the end of the day, it comes out at the end. And that's kind of what happened. You know, there was these empty promises, one of which was we're going to pay everybody back for the gas they spent. So it was like, you meant my project. I'm making you, I'm basically going to reimburse you for the gas you spent to mint my project. And that's not a viable business model. (laughs) Like it's, it's not going to happen. Um, and so it was rug pull ish, I guess, because he obviously was like, I'm not going to do that. It's not going to happen now. There's no, there's, you know, and then he took all the vast majority of the funds that were, that were, you know, it was a sold out project, took the vast majority of those funds and basically cut and run. And then the developer is sitting there going, um, like, I don't really, and the artist, they're like, we don't really like how this happened. Um, so we're going to stick around and try to make good by it. And they've continued to be very misguided in like giving airdrops and then creating a token. But like, you know, you can make like, then there's did mating and all these different things. Um, very misguided. I mean like good heart, very misguided. And 
it's been very interesting to see the project develop over time because they still have a really strong core group of people that love and believe in the project, even though there's no reason for them to. And it's really just based, based upon not even the project. It's, it's based upon the fact that they've made these relationships and the discord is full of people that are bonded to each other. And secondarily, there's happens to be a project that they relate to. And so I think that those types of projects, um, you know, if if they can, if that community can survive, literally any community can survive. I've seen so many crazy things come out of that project. Um, you know, I think that that's what you guys are doing with you're able to do that um, with MetaCitizen in a very unique way by not only bringing in people that are interested in your project, but you're able to bring people in that are interested in each one of these little individual projects you're gonna be dealing with. So you tell the story, let's say for sake of argument, you tell the story of cool cats. Well, now you're attracting the diehard cool cats people. So now you've, you've organically grown your community with people that are passionate about the project that is being featured. Um, so I think that's going to be going to work to you guys advantage uh, extremely well as, as you guys start to grow and start to create more content the diehard fans of these projects that you're featuring are going to be able to start trickling in. Um, I guess my question to you is, have you started to see that transition as of yet? Or is that something you think is going to come in the future? Um, I think it all boils down to quality over quantity, uh, especially with communities and stuff like that. And that is something we have definitely found to be true. So what we're at a, a little bit higher price point than the average market. Um, a decently higher price point, <laughs> but we're getting people who are very committed to the idea and we're getting people who are very passionate about the vision, right? We're getting people who share our vision for the future. They see the importance of these stories. They see what we're doing. They see what we're building and they want to be a part of it. They want to help build that history, that, that archive, that library of stories. Right. Right. Uh, so we're seeing, we're seeing just an insane, insanely high quality of, of average member it's it's incredible um we've had uh a little bit slower of a mint due to the high price and we've had basically zero fud which is is unheard of uh to not hear any fud when you're not selling as fast as people expect right i mean these days if you don't sell out in two days people are already crying for rug pull and like <laughs> sure like they, they want to car and feather you <laughs> it's pretty crazy so can you give but, an idea of like where done. where are you guys at right now baseline so like what is your what's the mint price kind of what does your sell through kind of give an idea of where you guys are at yeah so our mint price is like i said it's a bit higher uh point two is for a citizen token uh the citizen tokens basically get you into the production process you get the input you get uh our story coin which is an erc20 uh, it represents fractionalized ownership of all of our productions. And then we have a higher tier, which is the Citizen X for 0.36. The Citizen X is like the VIP token, right? They get uh, free claims of our Premier Art tokens, which go with every production we make. They get VIP access to all events. They also get to nominate, um, and this is one of my favorite parts of the project, we have our Citizen TI program, which is a talent incubator. And it's a program set up specifically to target less uh, privileged artists who don't have the ability to get into the NFT space on their own. Um, so we provide a mentorship program using our Citizen Ks, which are like, you know, the Clones, Elu, World of Women, 
dude from Wicked Craniums, like these kind of people to mentor them and help them kind of find their way into the NFT space. Uh, and each Citizen X token holder can send one artist through that program per year. Um, so we'll, we'll have quite a few artists going through that program ideally. Uh, so the Citizen X kind of gives you that extra access uh, and a little bit higher VIP status. And what's your, what is your guys sell through rate right now? Is it, well, I guess, first of all, is there a, I'm assuming there's a cap on the two different tiers. Is that correct? As far as like numbers on that? Yes. The Citizen X is a lot more limited. So right now we're selling studios one and two. Um, basically it's going to be a thousand tokens per studio and the split is 850 citizens, 150 Citizen X. So overall our total mint right now is 300 Citizen X, 1700 uh, citizen tokens. I mean, that's solid. I mean, you know, yes, you haven't sold out, but that's a solid, that's a solid number. Yeah, no, it is. Um, and even before sellout, we have a good portion of our roadmap. Like not a JPEG is a feature length Netflix rate documentary on the NFT space as a whole. That one will have a live premiere in Las Vegas during NFT land. And that is happening no matter what, doesn't matter if we sell out that is happening. Uh, Epic.enter or Epicenter is focused on the in real life events and meetups of the metaverse. That's another feature length Netflix grade documentary that's happening no matter what, right? Sure. And then before we even minted, we created the Ghost Experience, which was a an immersive experience in collaboration with uh, Gang Yang, uh, which was in New York City, and it was basically a four wall projection experience, kind of telling his story. And for many people, it was the first time they heard his voice. It was actually him doing the voice acting and the experience. Um, and it kind of told basically his beginnings and how he was told that he wasn't going to make it as an artist. And then here he is selling a piece for $2 million a couple months ago. So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's like things like that that we're able to, to document and kind of show to the world is pretty cool. It was the first time his art was actually uh, publicly portrayed, which oh, wow. is also cool. Yeah, I had... Um our team had looked at doing NFT land, actually uh, getting a booth out there this year in Vegas and getting our whole team out there. Think, I think it's going to be crazy for sure. Yeah. We've, <laughs> we we're st it's still in consideration. Like we've, we've thought about it. I've actually been in communication with uh, the creators about, about getting like a, a booth out there. Um, we want to make sure that the timing's right. You know, our, our big concern is wanting to make sure that, you know, we're right now we're kind of flying under the radar. You know, we've been involved with, you know, space punks club and boring bananas and weird whales and non-fungible heroes dogs unchained derpy burbs you know some of these larger wolfgang some of these larger projects that have done quite well but we've kind of always like flown under the radar don't really want our name out there mainstream quite yet uh right now where you know we get 20 30 people shilling projects to us every week and uh, they somehow find us we do zero advertising so it's kind of i was curious always ask like I would say the vast majority are referral based that we get people that are inquiring about our services, but, um, that was the best kind right there. Yeah, we do get a fair amount of those, but we do have some like randos that are like, yeah, we found you in the deep, dark Twitter web somehow, um, you know, kind of a situation. And they're like, no one really like has heard of your company yet. Everyone knows the projects you guys have worked on. And anytime where, you know, someone asks around, they're like, we come highly recommended. And so we're waiting until, we want to make sure that when we launch and like to the real world, I guess, um, into the broader landscape that it's in a very big, we make a big splash really quickly. Um, 
and that we have like the content and that's part of, you know, what we're doing now with the podcast and making sure that we have a solid website and everything like that. Um, so may, we're going to be really close. NFT land is going to be one of those, like if they have some booths left over right before conference time, we'll be able to make a decision and say, okay, you know, this is going to be a good fit or it's not. Um, it's going to be cutting it close. I think we're probably more on trend for, you know, like the latter part of next year, probably hitting NFT land the, you know, next year. So 20, 2023's NFT land is probably going to be more realistic for us, but definitely like on our list of things to do, we want to do a, you know, a, a company trip to Vegas in general, like just to celebrate our company and what better way than a tax write off. <laughs> so <laughs> that's the, that's the goal at least right now. There you go. I mean, I'd love to meet you in person, so I'll be at, I don't think there's a conference I can miss now. <laughs> yeah, I know. Be, I, I really need to, um, I, I need to get out there. You know, I'm not my, the vast majority of my team is doxxed. I'm, I'm not doxxed. I've got two small kids, um, but I don't mind, you know, people have seen my face, but like, I don't, I don't give like my full name or anything, uh, but I'm, I'll be pretty recognizable cause I'm, I'm swagged out now and, and octopus uh, in gear and stuff <laughs> like that. So pretty, and if I, it'll be pretty interesting. I think once our, our company does come a little bit more mainstream. I'm curious because I live, you know, I, I live in Dallas um, full time and just like walking the streets. I, there's tons of people that are into NFTs like in Dallas. And I'm curious that the first time I'm going to get stopped and be like, hey, bro, like, you know, Octopus, man, I'm going to be like, yeah, I'm familiar with them. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I feel comfortable yet telling them like uh, what my position is within the organization. But uh, but it's going to be interesting. Um, I have a LinkedIn profile under Icon Jester. Um, I've got, we've got a LinkedIn, like a uh, corporate page now, just kind of, this is all kind of recent, starting to add a little bit of content on there. We've got um, our Twitter starting to kind of get ramped up a little bit more. We've got, of course, our Discord channel that's been in existence and we've got a fair amount of people in there, uh, nothing crazy, but we're slowly starting to kind of build things up, building out the website so that we, you know, we're, we're kind of prepared. Um, but the, the entertaining part for sure is like my LinkedIn profile picture is um i took from par a party city advertisement of a jester hat and uh, i took the guy and i removed the background and put like these trees in the background so it looks like a legit picture that someone took like outside and uh that's like my profile picture on linkedin and it got approved of course because it's like a real person but uh definitely not me my wife was like people are gonna think that's you and i was like that's kind of the point you know uh, but um but anyway, yeah, Luke, I, I really Stay appreciate approved, though. Do, do they have to approve the profile picture? They they do. Um, but what's really confusing to me is like there's like restrictions on what's approved and what's not. And part of what's what is it has to be like a picture of you. So what's confusing to me, though, is there's a lot because what I tried at first was to put one of my NFTs as my picture. And right, I thought about changing to my mutant. Yeah. So that's what's super confusing. So I had put it as my one of one NFH, my icon gesture, one of one NFH, and it got declined. It got denied and they, they flagged it because it wasn't a picture of me, but yet you go on LinkedIn and there's lots of profiles that have like a ton crypto, of apes on LinkedIn. tons. Yeah. Apes, crypto punks, all kinds of stuff. Uh, zero, zero has an ape for his LinkedIn profile picture. So I one can't of our <laughs> figure out why it is that they're able to do that without, maybe it's because it's a mainstream thing now. I, I really don't know. Mine was declined, but these, they're all accepted. So I don't, I don't know if like you have to have an established profile maybe first. 
and then it's gonna be more expensive. It's going to be a couple hundred K. <laughs> you can change it maybe. You know what I mean? I don't know if like, if you already have like a profile picture beforehand, you have an established account and then you can change it to that and they don't fire you because you're just changing your profile picture. But if maybe. like, maybe it's like more of like, you can change it to something that's not you, but you can't originally set your account up as somebody that's not you. Maybe that's what it is. Um, maybe. Cause I've got a regular LinkedIn account that has like my, my, you no, know, my normal one where um, for work and stuff. And I've got, I've got like close to 6,000 connections on it. Um, you know, I've had that obviously well established for a long time and it's mo mainly pretty much everything's like all industry related, biotech related. I don't have any NFT stuff. I don't obviously like, I'm not doc. So I don't like even associate with any crypto on that profile. Um, and then on the back end, I just started like sending out invitations. I've got like, I don't know, like 50 people I'm connected with right now that are all, you know, kind of crypto related um, on my, my new icon jester uh, LinkedIn. And then I also have, you know, the company Octopus Man Marketing has a company profile now as well. And um, yeah, it's just, you know, it's just trying to slowly kind of build a brand. And um, yeah, like, you know, I was, I'm happy that we were able to meet, you know, for those of you that don't know, Luke is also um, the host of Pamp Tank, which is basically like Shark Tank for NFTs. Um, we met through that where I at, so I was I was brought on as a guest judge and then uh, wiggled my way into being a permanent fixture. Right now it's on it's between seasons, but um, but a great project as well, you know. And uh, I appreciate Luke that you're able to not only kind of let me join that party, but um, we're able to jump on the podcast today. This this went way over what our normal podcast goes, so we're having to do a part one, part two, which I'm happy to have because I think this was been um very fruitful so i do oh, yeah, it was a great conversation i, I definitely it. yeah definitely appreciate it and hopefully you know we can have you as a guest at a later date whenever meta citizen starts to really really pop off and you've got some additional content and after your release and all that stuff of the uh of the the uh the feature documentaries i would love to kind of have you on again and follow up and see how things are going of course i would be glad to this was a it's a good talk i appreciate you having me on yeah. And guys, um, also I'm going to include all, of course, as always Luke's contact information, as well as, um, the information for Meta Citizen in the, the docu, um, the, the, the chat area of the, um, of the podcast. So if you guys want to get in contact with him directly, you guys will have his information, uh, stay tuned for next week where we will be bringing on most likely one of our associates working here at Octopus Man Marketing, talking about his journey through the NFT world and how he came to be uh, in this space and within this organization. So stay tuned for that. I'm not going to give away any hints on who that will be, so you have to stay tuned. But um, thanks again, Luke. And uh, we will talk to everybody on the next episode of Shillin' and Chillin'.